Hello and welcome to the Regroup Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Walker. Today on the show, my guest is Jilly Manning. Jilly is the owner-operator of the local Happy Herb shop here in Cairns. She's an amazing artist, paints, draws, sculpts. Uh, she's recently been doing a bit of stand-up. And she's just an all-around amazing human being. I find her incredibly articulate. I particularly appreciate the way that she formulates her thoughts in response to my personal inquiries. Uh, in this discussion, we do talk about her art and her um, herbal medicine experience. Uh, but like with all my guests, you know, the, uh, the conversations traverse a lot of different topics around uh, society, culture, politics, spirituality, uh, all sorts of stuff. So I, I found this conversation amazing and I really hope you do too. So please enjoy this podcast with Jilly Manning. Welcome to the Re- 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 Podcast. Re- oh, beautiful place you've got, Adam. It's very peaceful. Thank you. It is, hey. And do you like the the seat that you got? Yeah, well, the, very the much. I'll try and give a little brief introduction for the listeners. It's soft mountains off in the distance with ah. Trinity Bay out before us. You can hear the waves and there's coconuts in the trees and they're just swaying a little bit and ah. birds are singing. It's really great. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's a real peaceful. Yeah, yeah it's, it, I think it's really important and conducive for good conversations to have a nice a nice setting to do this in. Yeah. And I think that was one of the reasons that it took me so long to sort of really get this podcast up and going because... The place. I, I, yeah. I, it needed to be the right kind of place. Yeah. And, um, you know, one day it'd be really cool to have, like, all the flash equipment and we've got, you know, a studio set up with headphones and stuff like that. But I don't think it'd be, it wouldn't be like this, though. No, it'd be better to, like, make it even more portable, minimal, you know, really good little condenser mic on the go and wander around, go down to the beach. Now that might be a bit loud. One one thing, though, that I'm, I'm a little bit conscious about is when you're listening to a, a long-format podcast, if the quality is not good... Consistency. It, it can be really frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And like, I personally, I listen to a lot of podcasts and there are a lot that I just <clears throat> dismiss because the audio listen. quality is, is terrible. Yeah, it kind of hurts your head sometimes when it's, it not, does. When it's not good. And, and particularly with the long format ones because if yeah. it's crap quality and you're listening to it for uh, an hour, hour or so at a time, yeah. like, I just don't do it. I just yeah. can't, can't listen to it. Yeah. But it's those ones that have gone to the effort to capture good quality audio and, and made it really listenable that I just find myself listening to over and over and over again. Yeah. Do you listen to many podcasts? Um, not too many, but I do love the format because I think it's about creating our own form of media, you know, Fully, and, yeah. and in a new direction as well where we are able to control the cataloging of it also and, you know, yeah. the ideas that people can get out onto them 
can't. I may even go a little bit longer in the short term, like a little bit further in the short term in affecting people's ideologies and thought processes about where we are, you know, because... Oh, music's my ears. Yeah, it's true, though. Tell me more. What do you mean, Jilly? Tell oh, me more. I just mean that with a piece of art or a piece of music, you know, that's quite subjective... It's not as objective because there's like, you know, your own kind of worldview interpreting it. But when you listen to a long format podcast, you can um, expand upon your thought processes and expand upon your worldview in a quicker way, you know, in a way that's kind of guided by peers, even though they're not there. You for know? the listeners or for Yeah, for us the listeners speaking. and us, I guess, everyone involved, yeah. you know, you get a, a chance to speak about it, you know, and speech is probably the most powerful form of expression that we've got and something oh, yeah. that we don't get to do as much because... We are on the nine to five grind because there's a lot of us that are too busy or stressed because we can't gather in public groups because it's deemed to be, you know, terrorism or, you know, yeah, we get moved along. So there's not the protests of the 90s anymore. We could be be moved on. (laughs) Get off the airwaves. (laughs) This is a fun police. Sorry to to cut you off then. Mm. Uh, I, I think this is is really important mm. to, to actually discuss though yeah um, because I, I think you're a hundred percent right and it's, Media. it's definitely part of the motivation behind me wanting to do this yeah I I want to add to it as well when you've got technologies that are developing that promote and influence people mm. to talk in shorthand yep. with emojis yeah or, that's painful <laughs> click a y- button but you know what? You know what? I don't. I don't have a lot of conversations about. Is what's good about it? Yeah, I, I, I love the harkening back to um, hieroglyphs, but in a way that's universal speech. So emojis can be really helpful to allow you know language barriers to dissolve. But yeah. when they're used on a day-to-day basis to express your innermost self, you fall short every time. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But we could. You could probably have a conversation in total emojis with someone that doesn't speak your language and be on the same page. But it's very, still not very. the same. And it's what is it? Do in the end, it just stops you from learning. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, really good analysis, Jilly. Mm. I mean, it's the same in the context of of all social media. For me personally, yeah. I find that there are infinite conversations about how terrible they are and yeah. how they've restricted our communication and how they've they've dulled, you know, the, our expression. But I, I don't very often have conversations about what's good about it. Mm. And I think it's really important for, you know, to, to critically analyse things. We've got to look at it from both sides yeah. of the fence. Yeah. So I, I find um, your, your, your expression and what you share, Jilly, really, really articulate. Hey, I, I find that what you share with me is very... In terms of complicated ideas and concepts, I find that you express and articulate them really well. Ah, oh, that's cool. Well, it, well the, the key is like, and the, I guess the goal is simplicity, you know, mm. to take complex ideas. But, you know, that's the thing with language as well and vocabulary because mm. you can express lots of them side by side in these words that we've got. And English in itself is limiting, but if you... 
you know, you have to have a grasp on it to have. And that's what I've always liked about about you. You've always grasped what I've said, you know. Oh. There's so many people where it's just like, what, what did you say? Well, <laughs> you know, maybe not always, but, <laughs> but you've made me feel comfortable enough yeah. to feel like you would welcome me to inquire further if yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, cool. And I think, That's good. I think the, the capacity to, f- to feel like we can clarify yeah. is a hallmark of proper interactive conversation. conversation. Totally. And it's something that I think is generally pretty rare. Yeah. I think a lot of people generally have conversations from a, a very um, ego-based subjective space and so it's very common to have a conversation where the other person is has already constructed their rebuttal or their what they're going to say back before you've even finished the sentence yeah Uh, and that can be really damaging i think to for empathic connection for for real genuine depth of of connection so yeah i personally am starting to learn that having the 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 space or feeling comfortable enough to actually go, you know what? I don't get what you mean. Yeah. Like, can't. No offense to how you've chosen to describe it, but can you choose a different way? And yeah. and maybe we can get deeper here together. Yeah. And without that, I, I don't really see it becoming a proper meaningful conversation. Yeah. And and I believe too that what we're we're touching on here is also problematic in in the context of politics and. Definitely policy development across all business and all organisation, um, council, across you know, education. Mm. If something has to be developed for the sake of safety or whatever the, the agenda is, that's fine. But it has to be open to meaningful debate. Yeah. Otherwise... Well, that's even something that we've lost in politics. You know, we don't that's even we don't that, get I, I don't meaningful debate anywhere. I, I don't see it at all. I mean, yeah. I, I, I have uh, to admit. The last political I'm, photo I saw was Scott Morrison eating a meat pie with a with like a commercial uh, hat on. You know, uh, the people that made the meat pie. I was like, is this where we're at? And is the, the look on his <laughs> face is like he's just oh scoffing God. meat pies with a. At least he's wearing the badge, but oh, yeah, it blows look, I, my mind. I I have to admit, I'm. I've managed to avoid politics yeah. as a topic for most of my life. Yeah. For some reason, it's starting to... Creep in. Creep into my world a little bit more. Well, it's just getting more and more ridiculous. That's why, I think, because we can't really look away anymore. We can't pretend that it's behind closed doors, even though we've had yeah. question time for decades, you know, on the ABC and we <laughs> can watch them. It still doesn't doesn't matter to them on how they behave. Apparently not. Oh, man. But I'm looking forward to everyone slowly going more independent, and I see that happening a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for me, the for damage me, might already be done with policies, and, and the thing that gets me is the environmental destruction. You know, we, we lead the deforestation in the world, and we're only 200 years into our colonisation, so... Is that yeah. right? Australia yeah. leads. It's, I think, in the top three. In terms of how much forest we're much, destroying. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And still clear, clear felling still occurs. It just blows my mind. 
that we could, you know, there's such a juxtaposition to what what view I'm looking at out here to what most of the world and even the animals of the world in some places are getting. It just blows my mind, the paradox that we live in. And that's why it's really like I'm loving that word liminal at the moment because it's about being existing in the space between and that's what the art that I've just set up in town is all about too, getting people to think about where they're joining to their environment and kind of you can use that as like little ignition keys, you know. It's just like Mm. turning on little conduit points for energy to flow. Okay. I see a lot of our friends going into politics and like as we get older it becomes necessary. Well, I'm definitely going to pick up that thread (laughs) later on. (laughs) Your art. Oh, yeah. I I certainly feel that for me, the politics creeping into my world thing is a little bit to do with with coming of age. Yeah. I'll be really upfront and say that I haven't really felt like an adult until really recently. Yeah. I hope I never get to that day. (laughs) (laughs) I never will. (laughs) It's all an attitude. Um, Yeah. Uh, how old's how old's your child? You've got a young child, haven't you? Yeah, he's only four, <laughs> so I've got about things, things six years when, until I feel old, <laughs> and then when, when, when you like uh, when your your son goes off to high school, oh god, something there's a psychological <laughs> change that goes something to the accord of holy crap, my son's going to high school yeah. and something clicks in your mind and you go... <laughs> Better I'm get into not- politics. <laughs> yeah. As, as much as we're laughing, that's actually what I'm trying to express to you. Yeah. I, I really... I, a lot of my willingness to kind of grow up and start really looking at the world has come from my children growing yeah. and me feeling like it's my turn to be a bit more responsible. Yeah. And on top of that, I've been privileged enough to spend a big chunk of my life in an academic institution yeah. and learning and reading and speaking with other academic minds. I wish that in academia there was conversations like we're having now happen all the time, <clears> but <throat> that wasn't the case. But yeah, that's maybe in the future. Podcast. I think that uh, the arts and academia kind of go hand in hand because a lot of the theories that academia expounds upon later in civilization actually came from art or poetry and ideas that arose from the creative mind. Okay, well, I'd like to talk about this a little bit more because one thing that I was really holding in mind that I kind of opened up a little bit that I want to really, really put out on the table right now is that, as I said before, I've always found the way that you bring complex ideas down to the simple and that you express them and articulate them, to me, is a process which, for me personally in my life, I certainly refined through academics and learning empirical uh, scientific studies and how to research stuff properly, you know, it refined my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you do it? I don't know. <laughs> that That's was an such. A, that was like a, a what? deer in headlights. Like I've been busted. Um, I don't. What are you talking about? I have no so, idea. So first and first, I'm not really you, sure. You will have to 
I mean, you're mm. I th- you're a humble person, so I'm sure that you can appreciate that there is truth in in what I'm saying. And I'm not I'm not saying it to mm. inflate your head. Mm. I'm actually, I'm saying it because. I'm really interested in it because yeah. I don't know a lot about reading. Actually, it would stuff, have been so. just reading. Yep, yep Like yep. my entire life, up until my early twenties, I would just and still to this day, I just collect books and yeah. I don't really read non like I don't really read fiction. It's all yeah. non-fiction and reference books and things that I'm interested in and which is what and, we do in academics anyway. Yeah, and probably sales. What I've done for a living for the last decade as well. You know, being able to really quickly get to the heart of something and lead someone to a solution. Yeah, because most of my sales has been solutions-based. People come to me with a problem about something and we get it really quickly done and they leave going, oh, that was so pain-free and amazing. So, yeah, yeah. probably reading. And, and, s- and just to clarify, sales, you mean retail? Retail sales, yeah. 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 And having to deal with the, the layperson at large, you know. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and be well, able and to I'd express to... to them really huge crazy complex philosophies yeah. on a street level yeah, to have yeah, them yeah. walk away and be a little bit mind blown. Yeah. yeah. And I'd love to talk more about that because yeah. you do do a unique retail Yeah, it's interesting that what we do. Work. Yeah, so we have the Happy Herb Shop and I have worked there for oh, nearly nine years. And in wow. that time, like a lot of what we do is about <clears throat> identifying that people are needing a, uh, you know, needing to fill something that is also, that's physical and mental, you know. We work with people that are disenfranchised with society and need to take some kind of form of stress relief and recognise that nature can give it to them, you know, and the amount of conversations that I've... that's a really interesting way to look at your customer base. Yeah, it is. It's true. Like, a lot of them need that soul balm, you know, need something symbolic or need something that they're doing for themselves. And and is this your interpretation or is this very Uh, literally conversation it's kind of in well that's my this. interpretation it's also I'm pretty sure in our um, in our training manual you right. know about approaching people in a way that they're entering into a space of happiness that they're there to 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 be happy and to take a brightness kind of step forward in their life you know so I think okay. in our training manual it talks about how how you greet people and you know just giving them good energy and it's about good vibrations and that's that's something that we've lost in today's society you know like you don't get good vibes from the supermarket or anything like that it's okay so these kind of philosophies Mm. are rooted in the the training manuals when you buy into the franchise well even when you start working for them you know and especially goal setting and visualization that's in our training manuals as well so it's really lovely you get to do that at the start of your day and you also get to invite people to witness it and to perform it themselves you know like we burn incense every day and some people catch us and be like what are you doing what is that and you're like it's Franken Incense, real frankincense and lots of people had never even seen it or knew that it was a thing yet it's in the bible it was given to jesus you know we've still got these magical sacred spirit bound items yeah. you know around and us it's so primal like you smell yeah. frankincense and it does click you it, into it, something you know yeah. even just your higher self a little bit so yeah your jesus self yeah. Mm. 
My favourite. <laughs> what, the, your Jesus self or frankincense? Uh, no, the Jesus self. But I just, like, I started giggling at myself in my head then. <laughs> I won't I wait to say why because someone might listen one day and be like, what? <laughs> but no, I think that we've all got different... It's such a fascinating world, you know, if we are all ourselves, if we are everyone else, you know, we're just this multifaceted diamond spinning around being a different thing at each second, you know. Yeah. So, Most definitely. Yeah. I do think that there's different levels and that's another interesting thing, you know, there are different levels and there are intersections of the world and other worlds and where, where are they? You know, are they little portals that we can find? Are they just based in our thought? Mm. Are we able to live multiple lives at once? That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing that you chose to use the word intersection because yeah. it is it's becoming uh, quite popular yeah. academic term as well now yeah right I didn't and know that I, I see there's so much um, similarity in the term that you brought up before liminal yeah like to me this is this is describing uh, li- the same phenomena in a sense that yeah. liminal is uh, it's, it's probably more of a term that comes from anthropological literature right. and describes the the state of transitioning from one state into yeah. another and the liminal being the, the, the phase in between, which isn't either or. Yeah. It's in between. It's transitional. Um, and intersectional um, literature, uh, I believe, in academia... Is, descri- is attempting to describe the psychological process yeah. of where two constructs, yeah. constructed ideas in the mind, so more than one construct is somehow merging together to yeah. create something that isn't just... Um, let's, let's try and make this a bit more explicit here. Let's use religion as an example. Yeah. It's not just Christianity and it's not just Judaism, yeah. but it's a combination of Christianity and Judaism which creates a whole new thing. Religion. It's not exactly Christianity. It's not exactly Judaism, yeah. but it's something new. So I think intersectionality and this idea of liminalism, uh, I'm really, really fascinated from an academic yeah. Perspective about it. I'm really fascinated from a philosophical and artistic sense because I see one of our most readily available forms of of doing this ourselves, having grasp of our liminal and intersectional selves is through movement and dancing, you right. know. So okay. that allows us to tap into being able to be still on the inside moving on the outside and present in the now, you know, through your body. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's what I think is so profound about being able to dance with each other and dance and movement that creates a community, you know. So, yeah, I see a lot of us as being a lot more powerful than we even realise because we move our bodies and because we do it all together. And if we could somehow, you know, create a notion that we would all dance for, say even like peaceful, joyful celebration on the earth, which is what we do, hopefully that can have a ripple effect through many different realms, but especially here and now. Yeah. Mm. And like you you brought up dance specifically there. Do you also feel that the arts you mentioned briefly as well, like arts yeah. are, are a really 
philosophical intersectional space. Yeah, because it, it brings your subconscious processing mind into the now. Yeah, you know, when yeah. you look at a piece of art, you're kind of incorporating all of these different sections of your brain that are recognising different shapes and forms and, yeah. you know, creating something in your own mind. Yeah. So when, when I, I confronted you before asking where did you get <laughs> where did you get these skills from to do this and you mentioned reading yeah. nonfiction and um, working with people through your retail work that you yeah. do is art another medium oh totally I guess dance, but these things you're talking about now yeah I mean it's hard learned? to transfer dance and art into the verbal form because they're visual you know and we mm. yeah art's something that's really automatic for me I and the the pieces that I do intentionally are always really popular so if I actually think about something before I do it and do it, people respond to that a lot better. It's interesting. But my yeah. favourite kind of art is just letting myself go and seeing what comes out and often being really shocked. You're like, oh, I did that. How did, and that little space like perfectly did that. That's wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's probably... Yeah, making something, any maker will know that like the process and then the outcome together are really fantastic. But often it's just the process that maybe your brain needs, you know, to spiral along ideas yeah. and get those chemicals kind of flowing through so, making so stuff. So to bring this back, because I, I really, I feel that we're, we're starting to venture into fit, like fairly complex kind of ideas here. So I think it's really important to kind of, Bring them, bring them back in, yeah. contextualise them and create better meaning out of them. Are you, are you sharing with me that the experience that comes from dancing, dancing together, and we, we did discuss that as an offshoot of discussing intersectionality. Yeah. Um, and then the process of creating and producing art yeah. in terms of let's say how nourishing they are for the psyche they're those two different examples and nourishing different things mm, oh, or probably the nourishing the same thing and that's just like i guess authenticity you know yeah so you can through expression kind of sift sift yourself and filter yourself down into you know a not observable or analyzing or anything like that, but kind of immersing yourself in your own media and your own movement and being surrounded by people that you can see are doing it themselves. I reckon there's something really powerful in that, you know, whether it's kinetic energy or um, some kind of, who knows what our bodies do with frequencies, you know, yeah. who knows what frequencies are doing to us. And yeah. so being able to do that through the heavy frequencies that everyone's feeling in this day and age from you know, helicopters and power poles and Likewise. mobile phones and all of that. I guess in a sense it's a way to hack the system, you know, and hack that kind of blanket that gets put over you by the fluoro lights, yeah, and just be an authentic being, hopefully a good ancestor and hopefully a good custodian of the land if by the sheer fact of loving it and yourself. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Well, the, the, the fact that you, you said authenticity, yeah. like I, it's just such an amazing concept for me and, and a really important term. Yeah. Um, and, and I do want to bring up, Julie, like how amazing it is that you're, you're 
saying words that are really at the forefront of what academia is talking about. Yeah. And, and it sounds it sounds ridiculous to, to, to speak like that and say, for well, academia say this, but I, I do find it fascinating that like the way that you speak and the way that you can articulate com- complex ideas, it's really amazing, hey? Yeah, right. It could also have something to do with the fact that I learned tarot from a very young age and I see a lot of parables of life and mm, concepts and ways of being in the tarot stories themselves because the very major arcana goes through the life cycle. Right. And my, yes, yeah. yeah, I always had to kind of make up stories about all of that stuff. So, hmm. Well, this authenticity concept I, I think captures it's really like yeah. if, if we can and when you're your most authentic self that's when you're emitting the most energy and people around you can you know be affected by that energy for the better yeah yeah, yeah. and then and then you get and that's quantum intersecting yeah manifestations yeah. as a result and, and just yeah get these it's, it's bing, all connected bing, bing, and, bing, bing, bing. but yeah. when we're not being our authentic self affected by external media and frequencies then yeah, who knows what's happening really. But well, we get non-resonant outcomes yeah. and things in life start to sort of not fit in together. Of, I feel like we're at that point with society. Like I, th- I feel like society is non-resonant right now. Yeah, we're vibrating to these old um, ideas of greed and economic capitalism based on environmental destruction. You know, like those are such old ideas and mm. it boggles my mind to think that we're still doing that and spending ridiculous amounts of money so that a bus can go around with the Prime Minister's face on it while he rides a jet ahead of it. It's just eating like a meat pie. Eating a meat pie. Like, what the... How did we get here? Why, why are they still... Why are they doing this? And, yeah. So you're not, not to be rude but how, how old are you 32 32 so all right this for me right there's been a chunk of my life throughout my 20s where it seemed to be the hot topic of how shit everything was yeah have, have you noticed in the last <clears throat> probably five years i personally have noticed that there has been a little bit of a there's a bit of a shift in terms of I'm starting to see and hear less of the complaining and whinging, and I am starting to see a little bit more. I I observe it as personal responsibility. Mm. I'm starting to see, and I speak to people who are starting to do say things like. I don't know. I thought I used to know, but I, I don't know anymore. Yeah. And that to me, it, it's, <coughs> it just fills me with a bit of hope. Yeah. Because people are... Do you think that they're all um, previous devout Catholics and have been rocked by the Royal Commissions? <laughs> <laughs> Could be something to do with that. Do you, do you know, <laughs> they just don't do, do know, you know anymore. What? Funnily enough, um, I have worked with a lot of people yeah. that are involved in that. Yeah. Uh, I, I used to work at the prison. Yeah. And so there are a lot of very traumatised... Absolutely. ...people who are now in the criminal justice system 
as a product of being abused yeah. sexually. Yeah, it's huge. Our country is based on the most awful, awful, atrocious acts. Yeah. Abuse of minorities and minors, really. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's, absolutely it's wild. Disgusting. But I, I find that a lot of those people as hurt and angry as they are, they have had no choice other than to find their authentic self in That's amongst right. all the, that, because that is almost the most chaotic yep. situation you could possibly think about. Yeah. Um, so I think the, those who are still alive have found some platform of authenticity in their experience yeah. just to be able to make it through. So, I have seen it a lot, I think, in terms of watching people, again, at a street level, being more in touch with their intuitive self and more ready to <clears throat> make some form of change for yeah. themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. In their health. Yeah. That's good to hear because I, I have. Like, yeah. I'm, an, I'm an optimist. Yeah. I, I, I struggle to separate the fact of being an optimist from having children. Yeah. But I've always, I feel like I've always been pretty pretty optimistic. Yeah, me too. Um, however, I'm a, I'm a real analytical person, so I do take inquiries about society and how culture's going pretty seriously. Yeah. And so back 10 years ago, I mean, I, I can share with you that it was so negative for me, like what was going on in society and the kinds of conversations I was having, the kinds of perspectives that people seemed to be adopting yeah. was so shattering for me that it literally started making me sick. Yeah. And I don't know if, if I've ever shared with you, like I ended up in the psych ward. Yeah, yeah, you have. A little bit of time. Mm. Um, wasn't for very long, but that was a bit of a culmination of my mind just, I mean, I... I came from a pretty stock standard Caucasian middle class family setting mm. and I think that that kind of setting is tantamount to the illusion that is the uh, capitalist mind mindset yeah and I believe that my psychotic break that I had was a literal dissolving of that framework yeah. and, and adapting a new one, opening my eyes, really. Um, so, I, yeah, I definitely believe that um, not not being able to, to, to tap into this authenticity uh, was, at the time for me, why I was unwell. Mm. And I was, because my authentic, my, my authentic self was starting to try and come through, but my framework in my mind was, no, you just need to get a job and settle down and do this. and Yeah, follow that nine-to-five grind. And follow, follow all that. Yeah. So I, um, look, I, I, really, I really got to a stage where, yeah, I, I felt that things were, I, I almost got to a, a full hopelessness stage where mm. I just didn't have any hope. I didn't know how, what solutions there were or, or anything like that. And then I went to, through a stage where it was like, I don't know nothing. Yeah. I don't know what any of the answers are to anything. Yeah. All I can do is start with myself, yeah. tidy up my own mind, organise my life yeah. so that I'm not causing any, any intentional damage mm. so much as that I have control over. Yeah. And be kind to people. Be be good 
in what I and how I conduct myself in the world yeah. and start from there. And yeah. magical things have been has been happening. Yeah, I think when you add integrity to authenticity, magic happens. Yeah. Yeah, when yeah. you can add like intention into something, it's yeah. even more, you know, and that's living life magically, I reckon. Integrity when, and authenticity. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and that's how you just make things happen. And people are like, how did you do that? <laughs> like, it was just me. It just happened. I'm right time and place. Everything is good timing too, to a degree. Like this view, it's good timing. <laughs> yeah. Everything is timing. I'm glad, yeah, you, I'm I, glad you enjoy the view. <laughs> yeah, my, I think that's probably another aspect to my ability to grasp a larger view because I grew up being really exposed to the mental health system through my mother being in and out every six months of a mental institution because of many things really but because she could see through lots of different things and was a real kind of threat to the system and we lived in a small country town so she was always creating havoc so but with a semi-weird dark sense of humor as well it's always very strange so I had a very strange upbringing and very cultural as well with my family being really involved with the land rights movement of the late 80s and early 90s and Mm -hmm. doing lots of cultural workshops and stuff. So kind of... As in activism? Your family was activists? Yeah, activists and Aboriginal artists. So my dad did... um, He opened the Woodford Folk Festival for like 20 years, lit the fire. Yeah. Wow. He did the opening ceremony. Yeah. And he still does performances. And my mum was a very spiritual, kind of very knowing knowledge-filled woman who was Mm -hmm. similar to me, just did lots of reading and readings, like tarot readings. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, readers maybe. So you you were going to folk festival when you were a baby? Yeah. You grew up? Yeah, I grew up doing that. Yeah, until my parents split up when I was about eight. So discovering the North Queensland Festival kind of realm and family really brought back so many memories of my childhood and I felt right at home, so... Yeah, and well, I was I think only we're, we're gonna... tapping into now some of the the insights as to why you're authentic the way you are. Jane. <laughs> Probably, yeah. We did a lot of travelling, and just travelling and reading, and yeah, adversity. You know, I think through adversity we temper ourselves a lot more. You most know, certainly. so much quicker. Yeah, and I had to, you know, to survive really, yeah. be okay with myself. Or you bang, know, yeah. here it is. Yeah, you've got to, but I. I think that in a in a sense, you know, kind of helped me to show other people how to do it as well. You yeah. know, being able to do it so young and you know be really articulate and I don't know. I think a lot of people are semi scared of me or taking me an immediate dislike to me because I'm too me. I don't really know. Well, I get a lot from men. Men are very intimidated by a woman that's articulate yeah. and know and and knows more than them about just. Philosophy, underpinning philosophy. And it just comes down to being kind to people and having respect for them and respect for their integrity and not assuming that they're disingenuous or, you know, like not who they appear to be or it's just kindness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the underpinning philosophy that I think we've lost as a society. You know, we've replaced being kind with like succeeding at this game race of life at any cost, you know, scared of dying, scared of losing someone, you know, loss. Yeah, there's this big underpinning philosophy of our society that has kind of gone wrong in a sense. And I see a lot of people coming back to, 
you know, the Jesus principle, which has been totally corrupted by his fan club, but mm. is basically about charity to others and, and yeah, love, you know, and being fans. art, you know, in <laughs> heaven, like heaven, we're so scared of dying because we don't think we're going to heaven, you know, or we've been badgered into this mainframe thought process that, you know, there's going to be this hell at the end or, you know, we've only got this one life and then it's all black or whatever it is. It's stopping us from living to the full because we're so scared of death that we're not honouring it as part of our cycle and process, you know. It's weird. And that's why we're killing the earth. <laughs> we don't, yeah, we've lost this little connection, little subliminal link somewhere. I'm not sure where it is, but we'll just have to keep testing everything <laughs> until we find it. Yeah. So do you think that, do you, do, you, do you think that the utility then of, I'm going to say religion yeah. in its dogma, yeah. do you think the utility of it is to actually plant fear? Oh, I, I think that's very well documented. Yeah. The, I think that the purpose of it is really to disempower people into giving up their sovereignty of self and sovereignty of land, first and foremost, because religion has always been used as col by colonizers to have people adopt their way of life, you know, by bringing some higher power into it and removing people's ability to have their own conduit to God and, you know, to not need an intermediary. They're all, all of those processes are stamped out as soon as the country starts to become colonised, you know. So, yeah, there's so many instances of that that I won't even go into it. But <clears throat> I really see that by people realising that they don't need an intermediary, there's a lot less power that can be gotten from them, you know, and a lot less money and a lot less co-option, you know, or dulling down of their own authenticity, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. to have a subservient population that isn't going to create trouble or anything like that, they all have to be united by a doctrine, you know, that's seamless or, you know, and that's where multiculturalism is really fascinating and, you know, it's, I like watching Australia, but I'm becoming more and more horrified. But I think that's probably just because I've become more aware as I grow older about, you know, all of the different facets of humanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But religion as a function, yeah, there's so nice principles. But to, just to go back, just to clarify, you yeah. said it's, that it's well documented. Yeah. That uh, religion has served... Uh, functionally to generate fear. Yeah. When you, when you say that, do you mean the the actual Bible itself, the doctrines itself, or do you mean crit critical theories have documented? Uh, you know, fear, fear or disempowerment mean? of country, really. It's well documented that it's used as a way to yeah, disenfranchise yeah. people yeah. So from in, their in, land really quickly, you in know. An analysis of religion. Yeah. yeah. So you've so, got South America, you've got like the witch huntings, you've got like all of these yep. ways in which religion yep. has been used to to beat people down yep. or to so, so defranchise can, them. Can I make a clarifying point that that is how religion has been used yeah. in the journey of religion. Yeah. Well, I want to I, I ask the question, do you believe that that was its original function? Well, it's hard to say, isn't it? I'd say so. 
really, because uh, if you think back to, you know, village life, then the chief of the village would have brought in his spirit person, you know, to say things, to make people not kill him or to keep him as, you know, lord of the village and person of protection for the village, you know, based on what was said by their interpreter of spirit, you know, their mm. priest or their soothsayer or whoever. There's always been, mm. um, there's people in power have always used conduits to spirit to ratify their actions. You know, mm-hmm. like you've got current warmongers today saying, still saying, God, God told me to do it. Mm-hmm. God, I asked God if I should bomb this country and he said yes. And people just, you know, blind acquiescence. Yeah. This is, this is probably maybe breaking it down too much and it's probably a bit contentious, but do you, do you think that there would be a difference between, I don't know, maybe the volition of a, of a, um, of a tribal chief who is utilizing that process to enhance the well-being of of that group yeah. compared to missionaries going into South America uh, instilling fear through the word of God. Yeah, we well, see that 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 brings up an interesting quote that I just read this morning and that is that um being a leader isn't about being the best, it's about making everyone better. Yeah, so if that if exactly. if that source conduit or priest person or whatever you want to call it, the the psalm sayer, um if they were focused on making everyone's lives better, then yeah, sure that's okay, but I don't really think that that's what's going on in today's day and age. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Yeah, so it's being corrupted into people using the word of God to destroy what God created. Mm, It's mm. just this really strange and in-your-face paradox that you can see very clearly. And when people step back from it, they can see it too. But when they're in it and indoctrinated into dogma and life in church, then they don't really see it. And it's quite confronting for someone that's grown up outside of those things on the fringes watching and being really aware of. And when you have conversations with people that I forget sometimes that people still believe in, believe in yeah. God and the ways of the church you know like I'm it's fine I believe in God I believe that there's a higher purpose it might just be my higher self or you know God really knows and that's what's fascinating is that we don't know mm. and but it's scary at the same time because we don't know and we're watching all these people that we that don't know as well do all this dumb shit. <laughs> like what are you doing? You don't know what you're freaking doing. It's all connected. <laughs> so yeah. I, I have to share, I'm I'm quite currently fascinated by this topic. Yeah. And it's Me too. It's probably because my my parents were both forced to go to church. Yeah. And so when I was growing up, my parents did not talk to me about religion at all because they were adverse religion because of their experience and they yeah. forced to go to church. Yeah. And so we didn't really have a lot of religious discussions. Yeah. When I, be- when I was a teenager, I'm, I'm so grateful that even though my mum knew that we weren't a religious family as such, she, she knew that spirituality was super important. So yeah. really, luck, fortunately for me, when I was a teenager, um, my mum really started becoming interested in um, Northern American Indian spirituality. Yeah. And she introduced me to that, which was 
so helpful. Especially at that time at of that your time life. In my life, I was mm. actually I was in love with a pastor's daughter. She went to a Baptist school. Ooh. She was so gorgeous. She looked like, <laughs> and I was I was like, maybe I'll give this a go. You know, I'll try yeah. it. So I started going to church with her, but it was just <laughs> just because of her. I wasn't really interested in religion, but because I actually sat there, you know, my eyes became open. I'm like, what are these people doing? <laughs> so I'm so grateful that my mother helped me, um, guide me into a, a path. The creepiest thing is that if you actually look at their rituals, it's really satanic. It's like eating mm. the flesh and blood yeah. of another being. Yeah, totally. that, don't tell me that's not satanic. <laughs> like, are you sure that we're not meant to do that, guys? Oh, yeah, too. <laughs> I don't too think true. he wants us to eat him. <laughs> so, so what... I, I've been fascinated by how people get sucked in. That was how I originally yeah. started conceiving it. It's like, you suckers. Like, yeah. how? Seriously. But Ribena and sugar. <laughs> yeah, and they, they take you on camps and make you feel special and give you lollies. I was there. I survived. <laughs> Is that what happened to you? Uh, well, we were really lucky. Like, we were, my, if, you, if you asked my mother, she'd say, you know, very, very strictly atheist. But we were also very, she was very spiritual. And, of course, uh-huh. having mental health issues, you know, there would be times where she would be seeing things, you uh-huh. know, and I would be terrified being eight at the movies after watching Bruce Willis or something and not being particularly comfortable. And so, yeah, she let us go and explore all of the religions in our town. And there was about eight different churches and I was about eight. And the only people that we found to be semi-opening, you know, open and welcoming were the Christian church. All the others were like, where are your parents? You're born out of wedlock, you bastards, get out of here. (laughs) And still like old, old small town mentality. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. And, um, but I think we went to the Christian one for maybe two months or something. And they used to go, go out to this lake all the time. And, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, remember trying to sneak into the Masonic Lodge at that point as well <laughs> and being really pissed off that they wouldn't let me in there. Yeah. They're like, no, no, we can go next door or go to Sunday school or whatever. I'm like, no, what are you doing in here? <laughs> what is, what, why? What? What is <laughs> happening so in there? Good. That's really... <laughs> yeah. So, I, like, I, I think about this sort of stuff a lot. Yeah. And thinking back to why? I guess what, yeah, what you, you were discussing... Mm. To me, and this is only a fairly new revelation, that fits, having missionaries go out and use the word of God um, to want of a better word, market their ideology. Brand of colonism. I'm now starting to see it primarily as a product of capitalist psyche. Yeah, it truly is. They were capitalizing on the word of God. That's what... And now that the word of God has somewhat been uh, retreated upon through technological advances like TV and internet, then the people behind, you know, our largest companies, they put a a lot of money into media and marketing and, you know, TV shows that do the same, perform the same function Mm. as religion, but in a way that we can't actually comprehend just yet, you know, so... Unconscious. Yeah, subliminal. subliminal you know, and so by being liminal, 
original, you actually could somehow jam the subliminal rays coming at you, you know, by being aware and existing within your own little tense time-travelling mainframe of authentic self standing in integrity in matter and space at the same time. When you understand that, it's like, holy shit, we're so powerful. That is a really good concept. Yeah, it truly is. I have not come to that intersection before. Yeah, that kind of all came culminated for me this morning, actually. That's beautiful, yeah. Julie. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah, subliminal. Yeah. And liminal. That's really, really yeah. important. So being, and, and sometimes being able to operate on the subliminal is really powerful too, you mm. know, your subliminal self, that, that which exists below your observation, can be sometimes leading us forward into situations that we could never conceive upon and I often thank my higher or whichever self it is that's doing that for me because I find myself in situations sometimes where say 15 years ago would have blown my mind to Mm. think that that's where I am yet at that time I was laying those seeds for that to occur you know so when I first started the seed I would never have thought that that's where I'd end up but I get to look back on that and go wow that's so cool I think I always said I would own a business by the time I was 30, but I didn't actually put very much effort into making that come around. And then eventually when it did, I was like, how did that happen? (laughs) That's like, and I'm just about to turn 32, sorry, 31. Yeah. So yeah, I think that what we put out there and then when, when you put something out there and you work on the networks that could bring that out into being, it just happens naturally. I'm, I'm thinking of a quote that I will absolutely butcher and I cannot <laughs> for the life of me remember who said it. Yeah. Wasn't Nietzsche. I can't remember. But the the quote is something along the lines of pay attention to how you invest in yourself when you're young. Yeah. Because the things that come from that will happen later on. Yeah, you'll eventually you'll get a return. You'll get a return on yeah. your investment Well, later. that's a very Wiccan yeah. way of thinking. Yeah. Like that's a very witchcraft-based thing, you know. Yeah. It's like yeah. everything. And golden rule as well. Whatever you put out there will come back yeah. and return. Yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> so before we get on a tangent and yeah. we totally lose this, this yeah. thread that I... I uh, I'm I'm personally fascinated, so I do apologise that I'm taking this on a person, <laughs> personal <laughs> That's tangent. That's right. That's good. But I I personally have had this experience in the last twelve months yeah. where something has changed within me in relation to religion. Yeah. Um. And uh, admittedly, my optimism has driven me to analyse it to this level. Yeah. Um, because I, I just I've had moments in my uh, my recent years where I feel like I've become an adult, and it's really time to start taking responsibility. Start having f- deliberate, intentional thought processes along the lines of, okay, well, there's this thing called religion, and there's this word of God, and at some stage in the human story, uh, some people. They capitalised on the word of God and they went out there and they created this ideology uh, which is saturated with dogma and now we've discussed lots of implications that are present in our, our world today because of these actions that people took. But 
the thought process is, but why did they create religion in the first place? Like, what's the purpose of it? Like, meaning has become really important to me. Well, I think that it's because there's so much mystery, <clears throat> you know, and, and because human civilization is really ancient, that it's like a game of Chinese whispers, really. We're just mm. grasping onto these straws of information that might lead us to our higher self or, yeah, you know. Well, that's this... what I've come to learn. And, and you, you mentioned it before in some comment that you made about Jesus, from memory, the, the context of when you brought that up mm. was that Jesus was a model mm. of how to be a good human. Good person. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's why that's we suck it in. That's why we suck it in because deep down we all want to be a good person. We all want everyone to, to be well-fed and, mm. and housed and living a life of purpose. Yeah. yeah. We all want that. And Yeah, we re- so that archetypal relative yeah. that we have within and, us. And now we've got that. this weird child-abusing satanic cult pulling wool over our eyes and mm. God really knows what they're doing. So, but mm. And they're not achieving anything. You know, like they're, they're just taking money, they're taking souls, time, really. wasting time, saying, oh, we, we're collecting money for water in Africa. Like and <laughs> 20 years later, like it's a fucking rapper that's giving them water. <laughs> like, like you let you let a black man do it. Was that, that was Kanye West. Oh it? no, I don't think it was Kanye. It was um, what's his name? Ah, oh. oh, I'm sorry, dude. I have, I have. <laughs> I'm sure we wanted it to be like a legacy promo <laughs> PR stunt, maybe. <laughs> no, no, Jilly. Whoever it is only wants us to remember that, that it happened. It happened. Yeah, that people were watered. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I have come across that. I know that yeah. that, that happened fairly recently. Yeah. But, yeah, for, for me, I, I had an experience recently where um, I listened to Jordan Peterson's biblical lectures. I don't know, do you know Jordan Peterson? He's a no. huge, famous academic now. Yeah, right. No one knew who he was three I years ago. I have heard of him. And it, um, yeah, I, I read. I didn't really actually listen to any of his stuff, but I re- did read what everyone was saying about him, and that was funny. So don't read what... <laughs> I, I know, <laughs> I, know I don't need to preach to you. <laughs> no. But he is, at the moment, he's yeah. the most controversial academic figure on, on the planet right yeah. now. What's his main core philosophy? that makes him controversial. What anybody can grab hold of to make controversial. Oh, yeah. But he's talking about real truth. He's talking yeah. like we're talking now. He yeah. just wants the he wants people to wake up to themselves. Yeah. He wants people to stop being puppets for yeah. organizations and for governments. Yeah. And he's a he's a clinical psychologist, so yeah. he's had a, a lot of years of practical experience working directly with people and with groups and with organisations. Yeah. And he was a professor uh, of, of the University of Toronto for a long time uh, and taught at Harvard as well. And, yeah. uh, and he's just got an amazing perspective on, yeah. on how to be better in the world. Like he, yeah. he, and he, and he, he delivers it from a place of, I'm not perfect either, so let's work yeah. on this together. Yeah. And so he then makes some kind of really confronting statement about something. Yeah. And people go, oh, my <laughs> I God. I didn't do that. Oh, my God. Yeah, so right. you know, he, the controversies come from all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, he was originally thrown into fame because uh, he, he's a Canadian and in Canada uh, three years ago, 
Congress was attempting to try and pass a bill which compelled people to use preferred pronouns for uh, non-binary gendered people. Right. So he went on to YouTube and basically made a video that essentially said, I've got no problem addressing somebody who has personally told me that they're transgender or non-binary and they would prefer me to, to address them by a particular pronoun. If that person is genuinely and authentically non-binary yeah. and transgender, I'm yeah. more than happy to do that. But what I do not want <coughs> is my government creating laws forcing me to speak a certain way. Yeah, yeah I that's have a fair problem enough. with that. And and if we let the government do this, what next thing are they going to enforce? Uh, you know, enforce? Yeah. What else are they going to stop us to say? And that then leads us into it. We have to think about this in terms of if they're compelling us to speak a certain way, they're actually shaping the way we think yeah. because language shapes our thoughts. Yeah. And if we go down this path, it is dangerous and yeah. we should not do it. Yeah. So we made the video like that. Yeah. And so people well, immediately started going, you're transphobic, you're yeah, racist, right. you're a Nazi. Uh. And then he got on YouTube and, said, and defended himself and said, yeah. hang on, I'm actually not, I'm not um, a transphobic. I'm not racist, I'm yeah, not Nazi. It's just philosophical, you know. Here's my explanation you know. about my philosophy. Yeah. And so, and then he, he became known um, for being so articulate and yeah. then so people started going after him about yeah. all sorts of issues. Well, I think in a sense, like on the trans topic, like I've actually got friends that are trans and I, I, I love the freaky people of the world. I think, you know, people that are different, that are fringe-dwelling are really important for our um, progression as a united humanity. You know, we've got to explore all these pockets. But I see life on this planet, especially with the political system that we've got, it's a really terrible choose-your-own-adventure. Mm. And the trans topic is nowhere near to, as, as important to me as the, like the prohibition of cannabis, you know, mm. and I wouldn't at all be surprised that we're seeing a lot of the, these issues come to the surface of our young people because we have a system in our bodies that responds to cannabinoids and we are restricting access to those cannabinoids mm. and that is resulting in all kinds of health issues that we can't even understand the because we don't know the extent of that system in our, our body you know mm. it's only known that it's there and people are starting to work with it scientifically to discover what the different effects of different cannabinoids do on our system so when it comes to shit like that it annoys me because we're still not dealing with the underlying um issues that are creating this society which makes people feel unsafe in themselves you know and, and like so we've got pl the plastics industry that's choking the planet and our consumerist like capitalist industries as well that capitalize on people's illnesses and fears and you know we've got the fiat money system like all of these systems should be being addressed but instead we're going into all of these really annoying pedantic lines you know where they want to change this and that and the and the legislation on that when it's not addressing what's going on underneath it and what the cause, what, what the reason is that we're experiencing these issues. Well, the legislation thing I, th I think is really the, the end of the line. Yeah. Because obviously the, the policies uh, 
that are developed by our, our governance system, they do seriously influence the culture yeah, that's and right. the society which they govern. And I, I think you're 100% right. And, and I mean, this is really what Jordan Peterson was trying to It comes down to our health to. and our brain health and what we're creating in our bodies, what cells we're creating. And plastics is having a huge impact on that. Smells, synthetic fragrances are having a huge impact on that. You know, we've got an endocrine system that governs how male or how, how female we feel mm. as a being. And that can be affected hormonally. That can be affected through compounds and smells and all of these things that are going on that, you know, call it conspiracy, but there are smells sprayed into your shopping centre that do make you want to go in there and spend time in there. There are smells that are put into different establishments around the place that make you feel more comfortable and they are affecting your endocrine system. Mm. So I think that our transgender issues actually come from fucked up endocrine systems. That's yeah. a really fascinating idea, Julie. Yeah, well, it's, you know, there's a lot of thought and theory surrounding that as well. Yeah, and we've always, don't get me wrong, like, we've always had people that belong to both spectrum, you know, and inherently we've got a masculine and a feminine side and sometimes they can be exacerbated in a, in a being, you know, the, in the opposite way and that's always been honoured in ancient cultures or, you know, in some not and that, that disturbs me that we can't live and let live. But again, I think in the modern day, what's happening with a lot of young people is they're being influenced by media, which is, you know, the use of words and the co corruption of the English language and mm -hmm. the coercion to use specific terms and being told to say what, when. Mm -hmm. And then you've got our food and our um, all of the minute signals. Sis systems, food yeah. systems. Yeah. yeah, the food systems and, and our psychology systems mm -hmm. that are affected by colour and, you know, it's all media. It kind of mm. scares me to look at photos sometimes of <clears throat> someone my age 150 years ago oh. and how much more authentically themselves they were. Mm. Maybe that's because they had clothes made by their parents or, mm. you know, like good quality shoes or, you know, or you could really see who and what they were. But these days we're like, you know, white shirt with a slogan and still wearing a backwards hat at 28 or, you know, like. Uh. That's interesting. What what just came up for me when you were, when you were describing that then is earlier on in our conversation when we were talking about, uh, a chief in a tribe mm. uh, c conducting himself in a way that um, is is promoting his his agenda. level of ag his agenda, but for the good of the tribe. Yeah. And and imagine I'm, I'm thinking that that tribe is individuals who are authentic and who are much more in touch with their. So that sort of system would probably work much more harmoniously mm. when you've got. If you a, a all chief sitting who has together. an agenda and yeah. it's the, the, for, the, for the good of the tribe, but yeah. all the individuals are sovereign beings and they, even, even from a, a philosophical kind of quantum level, they know that the agenda of the chief is for the good of the tribe because yeah. they're so clear in themselves. Yeah. They're aligned to that truth yeah. and, and it all resonates it. and works. And it's actions, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas... Today, we've got all these issues that you're bringing up that you're talking about yeah. and that equates like to 
religion being able to have a more negative impact because mm. people are so lost yeah. and not aligned with their true self. Yeah. So they can't stand up yeah. to the word of God and say, hang on a second. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, the most powerful thing that we've got about the word of God and the word of Jesus is about love. So if mm. the actions of our government that are claiming to be a Christian majority if they're not aligned with a loving action, then that's clear indication that their God is not a good God. <laughs> and we are not going down a good path as a society. So, yeah, we... And that's also, again, like, we, we see that in media. We're not getting fed the whole story. We're getting force-fed these scraps yeah, of, yeah. you know, sensationalist entertainment. Yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. not seeing the big picture. It's going across the bottom in ticker tape, you know. So we're missing it. Kind of been conversing fairly philosophically, mm. um, and I'm really, I'm really interested in asking your your ideas and your opinions at this stage because I think we've established some really good philosophical concept context yeah. here. And um, so you you said before that if the governments uh, they action things that don't align. Uh, with a with love, yeah. uh, with like, um, that's not a good God. Their God is not aligned with the God of love. Yeah. It it makes me feel compelled to ask the question: like, who determines that? Like, who, by what by what measure? You know, is mm. do you get what I'm, I'm yeah, sort of saying? Yeah, completely. Like, hey. And that, like, that's the people joining together and talking. You know, and that's something that we're not really encouraged to do a lot of these days. You know, we used to have small halls in every town, and we would all gather and talk and dance. Mm. You know, and dance on this land in Australia has always been a major form of communication. Be long before white man came, you know, yeah, we'd always yeah. get together and dance. And dance is a form of expression of the gender happiness of a population and how we talk about these big ideas in large groups and get consensus, you okay, know. So, so we need consensus and that's something by being divided by the television and all of that. We're not getting group consensus on things anymore and when we do come together, we're often distracted by the smaller pedantics so that are almost nearly impossible to get consensus about. So, you know, oh, should we cut this tree down in this park here? You know, not should we kill this government because they're fucking us over. We should definitely become more Italian. <laughs> they say that the, the Italians have the most perfect government system because they'll they'll vote people in and then they'll they'll shoot them and then they'll vote the next people in and they'll shoot them. Really? And then the next people they vote in will be on their best behavior. <laughs> Is that literal? Uh, well, I don't I think it's probably got a little bit of evidence-based kind of prehistory there, but yeah, don't know if it's quite literal, literal. <laughs> but I like it. I like the sound. It's an interesting concept. <laughs> it works, clearly. So, so lots of you're saying that, that <laughs> consensus and being able to observe that there is some sort of consensus yeah. which could be indicated by coming together, spending time together, resonating as a group, yeah. which an index of that resonation would be that we're all dancing harmoniously together yeah. to the same rhythm. And if there's issues, then you, you you talk about them, you know. There's always things being nutted out on dance we're floors. Talk, we're talking about... Oh, I, so. I was going to say the talking about the issues, especially like complex things that need to be navigated yeah. uh, compassionately and with care yeah. and with kindness. Yeah. 
some of some of that stuff needs to happen away. Like the dance floor is yeah, almost like yeah, the pinnacle of the yeah. consensus. Yeah. That's how I'm interpreting what you're saying, is yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I think like we've all got our own lives, you know. Someone on the dance floor might be you know, involved in something that, that could make a difference. You know, we've got doctors, we've mm. got people that are nurses, we've got people in all echelons of society. So when people come together and dance, they kind of get an idea for where everyone is at and get inspired to, to make change for the positive, you know. So when you say, like, who's in charge of saying whether or not something is that the government is doing is good, you know, like... <clears throat> It's almost like because of the coercion of media away from the general person understanding, A, where we are in the universe at large, you know, God, we've even got the flat earth theory there, you know, like ways to distract people and keep them away from the real shit, you know. So, yeah, you've got all of that going on and then when people are able to be in that liminal state and gain power from everyone else around them being in a liminal state as well, we're able to then make make changes, you know, and I think that's why dance is so important for community, you, are, you know. Are you, are, you, are you suggesting, though, that the, the dance, the act of dancing itself as a, a pinnacle of consensus because it is non-verbal, it's really flowing. Yeah, it's, it's quite, a feeling thing, you know. You get yeah. to know someone really well when you dance with them, you yeah. know, and you can feel how they are in their life and if they're unhappy, you want to help them or whatever. So, yeah, I think that there's a there's a processing element that we're missing as a society these days, you know, so we don't get to process things together as much and that's why maybe social media is so great because we've got this virtual processing centre where we can all come together and share ideas and mm. work through things, but then we've lost the art of debating. So a lot of yep. it ends up in this shit-slinging match where you don't get to the bottom of anything except for pedantic semantics. You, you've you've had a fair bit of that, haven't you? You've been quite... You've been very present on social media yeah. over the last decade or so, haven't you? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Like, I, I always see people in the streets and they're like, oh, I love what you share online. I'm like, oh, do you? That's really cute. Oh. I don't really share too much personal stuff. Like, yeah. I've got lots of photos on there from, like, my previous, like, earlier travels and whatnot. But these days I don't really share too much except for memes that make people think or mm -hmm. laugh. Like, I love... Do, do you engage in critical discussion as much as you used to? No, nowhere near yeah. as much as I used to because I don't care anymore. Yeah, I'd rather right just, like, I'd rather just make artwork and have someone interpret it or do whatever they want with it instead of trying to make someone understand me through the flat type of words, you know, where mm -hmm. you don't get to look at someone's eyes and see how much you might have hurt them by that shitty comment you just said, you know, because I think the last time I really got slammed on social media, I was going through some mega shit myself and mm -hmm. it took me ages to kind of come around to the fact that some people just don't like you, mm. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually really important because you get to see sides to yourself that you didn't really know existed or that you didn't know maybe you made people feel that way, intimidated, or uh, a lot of people feel... I get told that I make people feel... Um, 
not stupid, but like maybe, yeah, I intend to make people feel bad about their thought processes. On- online you're talking about? Online and in person yeah. sometimes, you yeah, know, yeah. Or maybe inadequate. Probably, yeah. Maybe inadequate is the term. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, think, it, but there's a lot more room for what you have to say to be misinterpreted oh, online. Completely. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I feel that we've had to go through a process to refine these new technologies. Mm. Like, it's like anything, you know, that... Matt, can you imagine when the um, telegram yeah. first got invented? Oh, man. Could you imagine? Yeah. When we went from <coughs> free telegram and then all of yeah. a sudden there was this facility, this service, yeah. where you could... T- Instantly. Tele- telepathize yeah. something that was in your head. Yeah. And you could get off of that thought yeah. and put it into someone else's head. Yeah. But you were charged per letter, so sometimes charged. they didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. those, but those. but the, the, the way that would have changed the psyche and, yeah. and, and society just, and ideology. And, yeah. and these little tiny things can mean so much, well, you know? Well, I and think we can really... It just kind of struck me it, then, like, yeah, it struck me then, like, the, the only original telegram I've ever seen was one that my grandfather sent to my grandmother. Wow. And this is like... I don't know I was, if I've seen an original telegram. That's right. I had never seen this, but it was really wild, like, that this telegram itself is like the turning point in my life because that my grandfather nearly died and all of his friends died. He was the sole survivor of a car crash that killed all of his friends. Wow. And this telegram was to my to my grandmother saying car accident um only I survived. I'm at this train station. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so like when I read that, I was like, wow, that's like the moment. Like, the And you can imagine that if, if the telegram facility wasn't available, your grandmother wouldn't have had any idea. Where he was, he was or what happened. Or, or, yeah, and, and he, very, he very well could have died but, mm. and I would never be born. But no, instead he got to send that telegram. Yeah, yeah. Like, and as a, wow, I'm alive. <laughs> that's a cool he would story. have been elated, you know, had, would have spent his last, you know, few pence or however many... The shillings it would have cost to send the telegram through, you know, would have just been like, oh, my God. That's a really good – thanks for sharing that. My my point being, though, that that technological advancement would have transformed our psyches and and consciousness beyond what we could fathom at the time. And then, you know, print print media did the same – Television obviously did the same, yeah. and I believe that social media, as a form of news technology, it's definitely is doing exactly the same. The same. Yeah. We had no idea what was created when yeah. it first was developed. Completely, and it was released upon the world, yeah. and we had to experiment with yeah. it and find out how to use it, and find yeah. out by making mistakes, and yeah. and I think we've been through uh, an incredible, um, exponentially growing kind of time we've learned a shitload about ourselves really quickly super in the quick. last decade or so yeah it's like it's 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 very near true matrix at the moment like what do i want to learn today have you have you ever done used vr yeah i have 
Yeah, it's really wild, hey? <laughs> that is, that's Ooh, There's like, that's so much technology that we don't even, that we're not aware of that's going on. That's kind of exciting in mm. a sense. And I, I really love the open source aspects of everything, you yeah. know, and how clever we all have the capacity to be. And when we're being an authentic self, we educate ourselves in things that we want to, that we're interested in, you mm. know, so... I think technology in the hands of the people is something to be really excited about. I do and too. Underground research is something to be really gone into, and something that that's like yeah, that's for the people, you know. And that's I'm pretty excited that the artwork that I've just put in town is is visible to everybody. It's like in a window. It's for people on the street and. Yeah, open source, open source art, open source technology, yeah. open source software and programming and yeah. all of that. Yeah. And because we live in a world where it's completely possible, yeah, and it just blows my mind that technologies, good, clean technology is still suppressed by people making a profit and everyone's still okay with that. It is. But I think that stepping outside the mainstream media kind of realm allows us you know, it helps us to kind of rely on our own original thoughts, yeah, mm. instead of someone else's, mm-hmm. yeah. Which then promotes and nurtures that authentic sovereign self mm. when we're thinking for ourselves. Yeah. Totally. I, yeah. I'd, I'd really like to talk more about your art. Oh, yeah. you just yeah. recently done an exhibition. So, yeah. And you've referred to it a couple of times. So uh, I'm just so excited about to, it because it's actually putting it where I put it. It's exactly how I imagined it would be in my head. So mm. seeing it in reality as I saw it in my head is probably the biggest kick since I gave birth. That doesn't always happen. Um, no, because it's so rare. That I don't exhibit very much because I'm not really um, a full-time artist. Yeah, like I, I run a business as well and I also don't really network in the art click in Cairns because I don't really have the desire or the time to do it and yeah I tend to like being on the fringes and I would class myself as an outsider Mm -hmm. and I love that term because you can be whatever you want to be in the outsider kind of genre you know we like the fringe dwelling weirdos that aren't particularly great at art but we explore the process and we often give a different viewpoint to the same old artsy fartsy fine art oh yes I really like that composition Mm -hmm. it's all about the composition Mm -hmm. so yeah seeing it kind of appear out of my head and into reality yeah and I only did it last week so and it's all about what we've been talking about in a sense you know allowing yourself to see that life is a lot larger than what we've been fed to believe and that we are very powerful beings as long as we utilize the keys around us and up here in the north like it first struck me when I first arrived nearly like 10 years ago almost exactly I think I arrived in Cairns in October 2008 and really yeah okay yeah yeah on a boat being a mad pirate and waterfall exploring and hopping all the way up the east coast 
like pinch myself often at the memory sometimes, but I was reading this textbook on the ecology of fresh water and in the first page, you know, it's like water is life. Everything that has life is water-based that we know. But what's really fascinating is that there are other building blocks that we don't analyse or catalogue or have any knowledge of. So we're Mm carbon-based, water-based life forms. And there are other ones out there right here in front of us that we can't see. And being in a place of high humidity where the water in the air is really thick, I think that there's a better option for our beings to expand into that and have more life and more control over our lives. That's why I like the tropics anyway, and that's probably in a sense why a lot of life happens around the equator and the tropic bands, you know, because... Of course, water feeds everything, but if we can use that intentionally in our brains to catalyze thought and actions, then we can do a lot. Yeah. Okay, so let me know. Let me know if I I've got this correct. Uh-huh. So this particular part of the world where we live, yeah, it's very tropical. So yep. there's a lot of humidity. So there's moisture in the air. Yeah. So given that we uh, com- we're comprised of water. So much water makes our etheric body, we body larger. Really, if what we, was that? It makes our etheric body larger if we want it to be. We're yeah. aware of it. So it in a expand. sense, in a sense, this this concept is sort of dissolving boundaries a, a little bit and, and it's, limitations it's, of yourself. Yeah, yeah, so expectations we, from others. <clears throat> our, our our what what makes up us expands beyond just our our, our physical body physical mm, vehicle yeah. and into the atmosphere where we live <clears throat> yeah. particularly for sure yeah. and you become op- more open to ideas you know ideas are like alive as far as i'm concerned i think that ideas kind of lay lay lines across the world and people pick up on the same idea at the same time, you know, on opposite ends of the planet. So when you can mm. expand your your brain waves, you know, because we're, we're so, grey matter machines. That's what we are. We create grey matter with our thoughts. Mm, we have grey matter inside our brain mm. that has the capacity to be a channel to pick up information or create it from scratch, you know. Mm. And then make it in a physical form. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what excites me the most about artwork is that. And then, yeah, really using the knowledge that they're, we're all water and we're living in a really water-based world to expand, I guess, liminal self, authentic self. So, so is this a theme that you run through all of your artwork? Is this, no, is this not a necessarily. It's, but it's just a, it's a theme of this particular exhibition. Yeah, oh, but cool. I guess it's like underlying in it all, but that's what exactly this one. You're just using one. that as a medium right now to yeah. express some, some yeah. feelings and thoughts yeah. you're having. So in, in that sense, when, when you were describing it and in, in the, the context of uh, expanding our, our ethereal selves through this medium of, of water, water I what came up for me is like a mycelial. Kind yeah, of it's the same it's, same thing, you know. Yeah, uh, it's a network mm. kind of thing, yeah. and and having uh, personally myself, like I, 
a lot that's actually in the artwork. There's a, it's funny you mentioned mycelium because a lot of them are based on mushrooms and there's a lot of yeah. mushroom imagery through the artworks themselves as well. Yeah, and yeah. mushrooms. Which, which, I do know that you've done a fair bit of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, what, mushrooms or artwork Mu- with mushrooms? Art, artwork that depicts <laughs> mushrooms. Just checking. On, only, I mean, specifically the, the big installation that you did. Yeah. Uh, Clubs in town. Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of mushrooms, and that I remember that. Yeah, and yeah, it's a big running theme, and I guess yeah. impressed upon the, those philosophical discoveries for myself. You know, the the wonder that we are in this water cycle. Mm-hmm. We're part of this water cycle, and you know, mushrooms and mycelium in particular. You know, the, there's these networks on Earth that we've cut ourselves off from, and mm. we do have the ability to tap back in whenever we like and I think that mushrooms are a great catalyst for that for a lot of people and I love that there's a lot more research getting done on depression with mushrooms and well, you post-traumatic know the FDA stress. Just, has just approved yeah, it for I the, do. In the treatment of depression. Yeah, and, Three and weeks ago. it's fantastic but I, I still feel like there's there's processes that occur when it comes to ratifying and legalizing and legislating compounds that remove sovereignty um, and self-discovery for people. Mm. So, like that's where underground research is really important, and and folklore is really important as well. You know, people that hold that information to guide others, and that actually kind of brings me to one of my biggest points in un- in our underlying core philosophy as a society. We've lost our senses of initiative. Um, and one of the most powerful tools of all religions is the uh, transcendental state and the um, liminal state and the psychedelic state and the trance state, you know, and all of our doctrines and all of our books and literature that underpin religious philosophy are written by people that have gone through these transcendental states. Uh, now that the religious frame and doctrine doesn't suit our society anymore, we're finding people exploring the, their own psychonautical realms and their, what it means to be a being and to be their self and to to be the I am, you know. And so I really look to a day where initiation is celebrated in a community sense again and we can have uh, transcendental states occur because we are clear from um, frequency distortions, you know, meant to bring us down in our own being, media that tells us that we're not good enough or anything like that. Yeah, and it can. It doesn't have to be through mushrooms or anything like that. Even sometimes the sheer notion and the sheer knowledge of mushrooms is enough to catalyze different thoughts in people's minds that there is a network that they can travel through space, that they can find water. You know, it's very. And any other any other ideas or thoughts you have on practical ways that we can sort of really start nurturing that those old <laughs> ways again. Dancing together. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, one of the first and foremost ways in which we grow is through movement and through uniting the different areas of our body mm-hmm. and doing that in our peer groups, you know, or outside our peer groups or just yeah. doing it in general. But I think one of the most main ways to 
allow everybody to come to their own experience of higher dimensions and higher self and the Godhead or whatever you want to call it is to remove um, obstructions of thought and to provide From information. influences. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So to allow there to be freedom and information and freedom of information in particularly, you know, and that's something that I think kind of that's a huge divide of people that are actively seeking information and people that are just taking what's given to them and then and then having discord with those people is something that's holding us back a lot, you know. So, yeah, I guess living and let living, but mainly just giving people information, you know. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating when, you know, to look at the Amanita mushroom, like the red and white mushroom that's in all the fairy tales and all of like the old Christmas stories and all of that. And we're all told that it's it's poisonous and lethal. And the fact is that it's not. It's not actually poisonous and lethal. Even in people eat them raw, it's just that you can mistake them for the other ones, for the worse ones. And sometimes they could be old with a big body load, you know, so... But most of the time when people just, a lot of people peel the skin and dry that and use that. Personally, you can just dry a whole mushroom and put it in miso soup and it doesn't give you any form of um, psychonautical experience necessarily in the hallucinogenic terms. It gives you an insight into your higher self and what you're doing and where you're going. And that, you know, it doesn't have to be a visual experience. It just needs to be an experience where you meet yourself, mm. you know. And that's an initiation where you meet a different part of yourself, where you become someone that, of, of your own creation or of your own experience. Or, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of seeing yourself in another dimension or something mm. like that. Yeah. When we talk about these initiatory sort of experiences, one, one thing that comes up for me in initiation is the, the the deliberateness of it? The yeah, that's right. It. And I I certainly feel that there's a big lack of of creating those intentional transitions. Um, you know, if, if we're talking initiation, you know, the obvious sort of things that come up are uh, a, a journey of a young person into adulthood, for yeah. example, and that initiation. Uh, comes with it a deliberate attempt to uh, whether whether you Frame know you, depending on how you analyze it like yeah, um, yeah or, or even to a degree unframe themselves too yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that that's part of the process yeah. like you think you're this person yeah well you're about to to transition from being that person that you think you are into an adult yeah and in order to be able to do that you essentially need all of the framework that you've constructed to identify with your own self who you are, yeah. we're going to smash that to pieces yeah. and you're going to step into a new realm yeah. and you're going to, you're going to re, you know, revive yourself in a new, with a new framework that is going to be suitable to be resonant with a more mature social and cultural structure. Yeah, and that, that's really, that's exactly how I would love it for everybody to, you know, have access to that because when we allow ourselves to strip back and rebuild all the time and not just stay sedentary in this one, you know, built persona, which is what media wants to do, you know, like 
must look like everybody else, must cleanse, turn, moisturize, all of that. Oh, I parked in the way. Oh, they're beeping for them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think that when, when we get the opportunity to do that, like that should be celebrated, you know, and when we get the opportunity to be a completely new person or just ourselves, like we don't celebrate that enough anymore. You know, authenticity is something is coming around again, which is great. And I think that having these, um, I think a lot more people are having experiences that they can't quite explain given the current framework. Yeah, and that's where we need to rework our senses of community and where, how we are. <laughs> Please stop beeping. Stop beeping. <laughs> no, they're on. just they're just they're Try just encouraging us. They agree. They agree with that. What I just said. Hey, Benny, keep your voice down and stop beeping. I'm trying to record a podcast, please. Ask <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone to keep their voice down and their yelling. immediate response is to yell. <laughs> That's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. Um. Yeah. He's got such a loud voice. <laughs> no, this is why I don't hear. use condenser microphones. Oh, uh, yeah, everything. <laughs> It'd be funny, you could probably hear the waves on the beach if you did. Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I I really love talking about this this kind of stuff because having studied anthropology, one of the things that stood out for me when I was studying other cultures, yeah. uh, particularly... Uh, most of my studies were around sort of tribal hunter-gatherer kind of kind of cultures. That initiation was such a big part of of their whole social framework, and, yeah. and it really did make me reflect. And I even actually went through a very disgruntled period of time where I was angry at my father and angry at For the getting world no initiation. I had nothing. And in Australia the initiation is complete annihilation of internal soul, which is really sad. It's like here, distill yourself with this with these spirits. Yeah, yeah. You just smash yourself right in right yeah. in there. You know, we even use those terms, you know, get smashed, get yeah. get yeah get trolleyed, you know, mm -hmm. we, we just want to destroy ourselves and that's the coming of age in Australia and that's kind of a sad thing about our culture and even in dance culture I see that attitude and, and, well, it, and it kind of pisses me off. I was going to ask you, like, you, know, like that's, ask, do you think we're doing an okay job well, in, in you know, festival we're, we're, dance culture? It's, it's a little bit the same. I, There's I, still a lot of young people completely annihilating yep, themselves I and totally I think, agree. say, 20 years ago there wasn't that aspect in dance culture, dance culture and you know, the earlier raves and, and still to this day with rainbow gatherings and stuff, it's more about, it used to be more about just dancing and being on the land. And there was probably a lot better, um, say, ecstasy back then, I guess, that made people not need alcohol or anything like that. And some of them didn't even use that. But I think that the quality of um, drugs has changed and that the annihilation culture has slowly crept back in. But then you've got totally other people right. being having intention and showing how to have intention and how to create sacred space and how to protect themselves energetically on a dance floor where a lot of people are getting annihilated. And, you know, you've got people that have seen demonic presences on dance floors and are terrified of it. But, you know, that, again, enhances the, the notion of duality, you know, and it's something that... 
more and more like we need that duality. We it's absolutely imperative mm. to view it as necessary, yeah, but also I'll as agree. one. You know, and nothing is really actually. Like there are a lot of bad things that go on in the world, but it's it's all the same force, mm. you know. And yeah, sometimes like kindness. Coming back to that to that notion of being kind, sometimes the the best way of being kind is to be honest, you know. Like yeah. and to be kind by giving these people like or someone a little seed of real true thought, you know, or a, an avenue for them to see themselves as you see them or, you know, a little spur to grow and to be better. Like, so I think that in a sense dance culture is fantastic, but there's lots of other things that are in the way of that. Do you, th do you think that we could do a better job at, at well, utilising the, the dance Could we have more festival? fun? <laughs> <laughs> we, I think that, like, for, for myself... Well, let's, let's say that the more fun yeah. would come from... Being authentically happy without drugs. Being authentically drugs. happy yeah, yeah. and not ha having a, a space where there is people that are really confused yeah. and really hurting yeah. and projecting pain. Yeah. While, while I think that what you just said before, that duality yeah. is is really important and I do believe that, that that autonomous zone of the dance floor uh, is a brilliant display of the the process whole range of experience of, of being human. Yeah. Um, but there lot there, there is definitely because of the fact that particularly with festivals. Yeah. Where it, it, I think it comes down to the quality of drugs, to be honest, and that's really cr quite crass in a sense, but we see it these days with the drugs that get used, say with ice, you know, and ice is a huge problem for so many communities, and I see um, the use of those drugs to be detrimental to what the dance is meant to be about, mm. you know, and that's opening, connectivity, expression, exploration, and, mm -hmm. you know, like... The thing that annoys me is that there is this um, psychonautical initiation community kind of starting up, but with no real control or um, intention behind the substances imbibed, mm -hmm. you know, so there's no no so, one standing over the pot. So there, therefore, when I ask the question, can we, could we be doing a better job? Yeah. So when, when you just spoke then that invoked images for me of like younger kids yeah. who they they come to their first festival yeah. and they look around everyone's having the most epic time it's like yeah. wow i want to do this too yeah so take too they, much they, sure they, they decide that <laughs> the, the way that everybody is having such a good time is by getting on something yeah. so they take something there's yeah. no initiatory process yeah no so guidelines they end up taking no one too much. yeah they have a bad trip that's or right there's no testing so, done especially in larger festivals you know, like we need to know what it is, mm -hmm. who's making it, what the intention is behind it, because that as much as we like to say that's not how it is, especially in Australia, the initiation is through drugs and alcohol. Mm. Like it's it's mm. it's as plain as day. So really. could then the better job that I'm talking about, that I'm inquiring about, yeah. could, the, could it be a... a, a 
some kind of um, well, the laws need to change. Management over it's the distribution government. of it's substances. A, it's a government problem, using, and like, if you look at where substances come from, government is hand in hand with it. Mm. There are only a few people that profit from large-scale drug uh, supply, and government is surely hand in hand with it. Make no mistake. So, there it, it is a big. It is something that needs to be solved with government. You know, we need the we need regulation of these okay. substances so, and so responsible the work, use. The better work that we could be doing to answer my question, you believe is this, the answers for what we can be doing better, it, it lies in the wider culture. Yeah, the wider culture of how we approach substances, how we approach initiation, how we approach um, the like imbibing of substances and the framework underlying and it's religious and it's government, you know? Mm. And so like we're out there dancing and doing, doing good work to keep all of our spirits up, but where are we going? You know? So mm. I believe so that we're that being be... sidelined by shit drugs into not being able to take the control of the reins and steer this country as a young nation normally would. Yeah. And they're just, they're just priming their little puppets to come in after them. With yeah, the same shitty to, ideas, to maintain the same status ideals. quo for them. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. Do you think that there is, there's always, like, I guess, t- to for, for simplifying the conversation, like two angles you can come at something from. Yeah. So in, in this oh, sense, in you know, every you in every situation, and, well, and all the bottom bottom up approach. Yeah. If if the changing the, the policies and the ideals of the governance systems that are in place in our society, like you just mentioned, yeah. being the top-down approach. Yeah. Do you think that there is an opportunity from within like the festival culture, that's where our discussion's at at the moment, so yeah. let's keep it on that, to like actively actually initiate the bottom-up yeah. process? Yeah, well, that's occurring as well. You've got... Um, organizations like the psychedelic society down in victoria and dance safe mm-hmm. um and all of the people advocating and lobbying the government for safe pill testing at mm-hmm. festivals and things like that to avoid you know to try and nullify the annihilation culture that we've found ourselves in mm. you know and i really think that um yeah, young people have it. We're really being assaulted from every angle. Yep. Every young person, they yep. really, it leads to feeling hopeless, you know. And I think that we wouldn't really need this dance culture if we all, if the systems were changing as they were needing to change and mm. our systems weren't being co opted by greedy people. Because it all comes down to greed. It would be changing if people weren't profiting off keeping it the same. Yeah. And that's shit. That's yeah. not the sign of a progressive country, which I grew up thinking, fuck yeah, Australia, we're really great. We, we made the toaster and the lawnmower and the fucking clothesline. We're real domestic bitches. Woo, fuck, no, wait, what have we done? No. Oh, no. <laughs> that was a disillusion, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just stay at home, everyone. Iron your, iron your sheets, okay? <laughs> Just iron the sheets. Well, on, on that bottom-up process, I, I mean, I can certainly share with you that I, I am one of those who do as much intentional work as I can mm. in these contexts of festivals yeah. to actually try and initiate conversations yeah. with young people, but even with other 
adults my age about talking to young people. Yeah. Because I, I you know, what we just said at a grassroots level, if we're there participating in an event and there are young people who are on the path to annihilating themselves mm. and we actually take the initiative to Steal have them. a bit of a word with them or even just talk to Be them about them. it. Yeah. Ask them, you know, ask them where, what, do they know where they got it from? Yeah. Do they understand that the substance that they might have consumed could actually not be what, it, yeah. what they think it is. And well, it one of the greatest things that I think that ever was told to me was that everything you take will change you forever, mm. you know. So even in like knowing and using that with intention before you do take anything each time has mm. really changed the way that I ever took anything. Mm. And I'm so lucky that I've managed to escape most of the trappings of regular drug use through herbs and what I do for work, like I'm on the, I consider myself to kind of be on the front lines of, of like planetary power through plants, which is this very ancient symbiotic relationship that we need to guard um, for our own survival on this planet. And also on the front lines of uh, philosophy, you know, like bringing people back to understanding that their body does work in unison with nature and that there is a natural order and that they have a place in it and that there's lots of information to be had. So, yeah, it's, it's I, I exciting right. in that I, sense. I, I think, you, yeah, you are doing some It's all information-based, you know. Once we have education about anything, things change yeah. for the better. Yeah. yeah. So, like, locking down information or telling people that something is bad for them or, like, you know, keeping people in the dark about substances is to our own detriment and another aspect of the choose-your-own-adventure that's gone really wrong, you know. So it's about freedom of information. And when you have freedom of information, you can rely on your own choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's freedom, being able to be safe in your own choices, yeah, through information and knowledge. Yeah. To be really trusting of your your choices, it's you have to back it up, and you have to be authentic. Evidence, and you have to be authentic as a person. Yeah, and and I believe that. I mean, we've we've traversed so many different kind of topics today. They're in our all underlying, but they're all really connected yeah. together. Yeah, um, so authenticity, the, yeah, the authenticity, religion, liminal, the, the yeah. intersectionality. It, it is all coming down to, for me per, personally, Jilly, it, there's this sense of we're working stuff out here. Yeah. Like it's all kind of coming together. Yeah. We're not, this this conversation, in a, it, it's gone off on tangents, but it doesn't go off on a tangent from the tangent. Mm. And so that we end up feeling like. Disempowered. Completely gone off the path. We're disempowered. Yeah. We have no <laughs> idea what we're actually talking yeah. about. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and I, I really thank you for it. Like it's a, to me, this is the the type of conversations that are meaningful and they're worth investing in. Yeah. And it's the kind of conversations that personally, I, they're I my favourite too. Have. Yeah, my favourites. You know, and especially where you can like. You kind of like it's it's a pattern. If you you could probably see it as a pattern, you know, mm. you're just dancing in these concentric circles around a topic, you know, and then who knows what that pattern is doing on a larger scale, and oh, you know, like think, have you seen the movie ah, Arrival? Uh, I have, but I probably f- I've yeah, I have seen it, but I can't remember what it's oh, about. It just makes me, what you just said just fully. Just, I love <laughs> the movie <laughs> so much. It's when the aliens come down in these craft and. Yeah. The, the focus of the actual movie is on the American, that the, these ships are all, there's 12 of them all around the world yeah. and each country 
interacts with them differently. But the yeah. Americans sending these linguists and the linguists end up starting to learn how to communicate to these aliens yeah, right. who speak to or communicate to these linguists via this this written language that they spurred out with ink. Yeah, right. But the, the written oh, word is circular. Yeah, right. So there's no linearity oh, with it. how they communicate. Yeah, right. So you don't yeah. know if you've seen it? I'll have to, I'll have to double check because I fall asleep in every oh, movie I watch. Yeah, <laughs> Me too, but not this one. This one yeah, I had blew that sense my mind. Well. Yeah, I had that because sense. they're like... I, I won't. I won't spoil it for you. Yeah, it's something that you really have me. to experience. But yeah. it, there's something about yeah, this circular. Well, that actually brings me back to what I put on this window mm-hmm. uh, for this art thing that I've got going on in town, and that says forms are conduits for ideas to take uh, root in your mind and grow, or something like that. Yes. You know. So when we see symbols, symbols are so important. You know, connection to symbols and understanding symbols. It's something that has always been used to remove power and now with all of this information and technology we can access this wealth of symbols again it comes down to the emojis you know like symbols are really powerful and really important and they affect us on so many different levels you know and, and they contain information and ancient information or future information mm-hmm. so when you mix when you get into geometry like gosh we just don't know what we're doing which is fascinating and exciting but then, you know, you've got people that, you know, have co-opted good technology throughout history to for their own betterment, you know, and not for the betterment of everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's where we've got to kind of be a bit more observant and aware and watch what's going on in politics because they don't know. They're just being lobbied. Yeah. And the information, the real truth is being hidden. We don't know why they're making these choices. It's just going on, like... I actually was reading this morning about the 5G towers and I'm not that particularly swayed. I think we're really strong beings, you know, if we can operate in ways that keep us strong. But I was reading in this article, this 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 council in the UK couldn't even tell the court what 5G was. And, like, we're trying to undermine the people trying to stop it, which was the community. 5G being a new mobile network. Yeah, that's right, right. yeah. But they couldn't describe, they couldn't actually say what it was and there was no consultation process of putting it up and no one wanted it and they were all getting sick from it or something like that. Yeah, interesting stuff. I'm not, as I said, I'm not worried, you know, like we're all going to die. Like (laughs) we're all going to die. We're all really resilient and strong. But um, yeah, there's no point being afraid of something you don't understand. You just got to keep searching for information, you know, and, and freedom of information. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, Well, yeah, we I'm conscious about the time. I gotta go. You, you've, you've got to get moving. Yeah. I yeah. Do. All right. Cool. Well, look. Love. I'm, I'm it's so all grateful love. for this opportunity. Yeah, it's been it was an amazing great. conversation, Yay. as I knew it would be. Oh, good. And um, I was worried. I was like, holy shit, what have, what have I even got to talk about? I don't even this know. This is the magic of this this program. <laughs> what we're doing. It's yeah. it just happens like this. Yeah. So, but. I, I think the most important thing that I really want to share with you is that for me it feels like we're just getting started. Like mm. we're, we're just learning how to communicate with each other yeah. in this process. Yeah, so fully. I'm really grateful for, for your time and coming and, and sharing your thoughts and ideas and, and conversing with me. And I'd like to invite you to come back and yeah, do, do sure. more of it. Because yeah, there's so I, much more to talk so about. so much more. <laughs> and and, and so all much we're doing more. here is establishing how to 
how to actually converse. And, yeah. and I think in the future, like, we can really expand these themes and the topics that we're talking yeah. about. And I think they'll be really interesting for listeners. To yeah. Hear. So there's a lot of fascinating Before you go, stuff. are you open to anybody if, contacting you if yeah. they have questions? Or oh, how, if anyone's how interested, I do have a website that's very erratically and sporadically updated, and mm-hmm. that is bighoneybee.com. And that's just got some art, little bits of philosophy and little bits on who I am, but mainly art. I'll endeavour to put more of my fresher art pieces up, but... Fantastic. Yeah. And bighoneybee.com. Yeah, And honeybee. is there a con- contact service if people want to Yeah, there's email you? and telephone number on there. Beautiful. Don't call me. I won't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> but write to me use, first. Send me a write. message. Say, hey, I like you and I'll be intrigued. Beautiful. Fantastic. <laughs> Who is this? Send Fantastic. me flowers. <laughs> All right. So if you want to get in touch with Jilly, bighoneybee.com. Bighoneybee.com. Fantastic. Thanks so much Thanks, for your time Adam. today, Thanks Jilly. Thanks for having me. It was great. Awesome. All right. Big Thank you guys everyone. for listening. Woo. Have a great day. Woo.